Hola friends, it's your host T-Rav. In this episode, I'll start by circling back on the topic of stuffitis from season one. Then later, I'll chat with the panel on how well minimalism intersects with inheriting things from your family. Hint, hint, it doesn't. begin by looking back at the topic of minimalism from season one episode one which if you haven't listened to it yet you can check it out on spotify google podcasts anchor breaker pocket casts or radio public so in that episode i talked about trying to reduce basically everything that you have from clothes to square footage on your house well i thought it might be good to be transparent about how good i am at taking my own advice so i mainly tried to focus my efforts on two main fronts. The first being the amount of furniture that I have in my place, and second being the amount of clothes that I currently have. So let's start with the first. I currently live in an 1800 square foot, three bedroom, two and a half bath, two car garage condo, which has a finished basement. And so when I was originally moving in, I thought that because I had a lot of space, I needed to fill it all. So I moved in with two couch and loveseat sets. And what I realized after talking about minimalism was that I really didn't need one of those couch and loveseat sets. The other one was down in the basement, and it's dark and dreary, and why the hell would you really want to go down there? No one ever did. So I used this handy thing that's called Facebook Marketplace and posted on there and got rid of it within a day. So win-win on that. And then what I turned to was the amount of clothes that I had. When talking about minimalism, I mentioned the fact that if you hadn't worn a piece of clothing in the last year or so, that you should probably look into getting rid of it. So I went through my wardrobe, did a full-on Marie Kondo on it. I thanked all the articles of clothing for the many years of service they gave to me, and then promptly put them in a trash bag and took them to Goodwill. The result of these two actions actually made me a little less stressed out what I found by having less things around me to get in the way, really, and to worry about. I went from filling a space to only really having what I need. I found that, really, for one person, 1,800 square feet can be a lot, to the point where I have a lot of empty space now, which is making me really think about people who live in these massive mansions and have rooms where they really don't even use them for guests that are never there. It just makes me think, what's the point? So much waste. I think the land that the mansion's built on would be better served by having maybe a few more trees and a bigger yard than a huge house that really doesn't get fully utilized. Moving on, the other side about minimalism that I spoke about was from the point of view of how people should try to look inwardly about not trying to acquire a lot of new things or just a lot of stuff in general that they don't need. After publishing that episode, I received a note from a couple of listeners, shout out to Curtis and Kim Dupree, about how it would be interesting to get a millennial's perspective on minimalism itself and on all the things that we will probably inherit from our parents and grandparents throughout our lives. I'll go ahead and read what Curtis and Kim mentioned in their note. So they write, I'd like to hear a little more depth on the minimalism thing and maybe the millennial's perspective. 
I see them as much more minimalist than the previous generation. As a follow-on, many parents of my generation are somewhat okay slash very dismayed that our children aren't interested in any of our possessions. I have things that belong to my great-grandmother and grandmothers, and they are precious to me as well as useful. I've seen press on this issue lately, and it's a dilemma my generation is dealing with. Since our kids don't want our treasures, what are we to do with them? Okay, so now it's time to introduce the panel. First up, he is from the land of 10,000 Lakes, a former football player for Oregon State University, a chemical engineer, and the person who kept me alive during our flag football season last year. It's Rob Olson. Thanks for coming on. Happy to be here. And next up, she's from the land of the bluegrass, a former amateur Quidditch player during her time at the University of Kentucky. Wow, another chemical engineer, and her second time on the show, it's Allison Murner. Welcome. Hey! All right. I got a response, which I uh, read just before introducing you guys, from Mrs. Dupree about how our generation would view the things and the treasures from our grandparents, our great-grandparents that have been passed down the line that maybe people our age don't really have the space for if we do want, or maybe we just don't want them. And so I thought that might be a good topic to investigate. So let me start with the first question on, in general, if a question for both of you, what is the one thing you don't need and could get rid of right now to try and reduce the number of things that you have? So I live in Louisville, which has a relatively low cost of living compared to a lot of like you know, cities and stuff, right? So I do have um, some extra space in my house. And I definitely have an entire room that, like, I've got a few chairs and a dresser. Like, it's a little sitting room. I do not use that room at all. It is a room for my bookshelf of games, and I throw my shoes in that room when I walk in the door. That is it. <laughs> like, definitely could get rid of an entire room of my house. That and then, like, I think... A lot of people have this same issue of I could easily get rid of half of my clothes. Right. I mean, right. There's there's a spectrum on do I absolutely need this this microphone? Sorry, I'm coughing because it's so funny of a concept. Uh, do yeah. I need this? Do I absolutely need this microphone and a laptop to survive? No, I think cavemen would dispute that. Uh, but it's fun from a hobby perspective. But I guess. And you bring up a good probably plot hole in the question, or a hole in the question, I should say, is maybe what's something aside from hobbies that you are only... So myself, I'm in an 1,800-square-foot condo for one person, and moving in here, I brought... Uh, and I mentioned this in the beginning of the episode, is I brought a two sets. I brought of a couch and a love seat, so two sets of those. And do I absolutely need those? No. I just had, I'm like, well, I have, I have a whole finished basement. So yeah, I'm going to put a wet bar in, even though I didn't run that past my landlord. Okay. Maybe a dry bar, whatever. I'm going to put this in. I'm going to have a great area. I'm going to have another set of couch and love seat. And I can count on the number of fingers how many times the party has spilled over into yeah. The basement. Actually, I don't even need fingers because it was—it's been none. Yep. So, so I really, mean, uh, sometimes ahead. the feng shui dictates that you need to be facing west versus facing north. So, like, you know, maybe. <laughs> you know, I'm very glad that you're taking <laughs> this question seriously. I'm very glad about that. 
So, <laughs> even though I'm slimming it down for you, but <laughs> hey, that's okay. Uh, so, but along those lines, can you think of anything? Any examples? I think mine would be similar to you. I have a little dry bar in the back of, I have an extra room in the back of my place. Uh, it's a two bedroom condo as well that I live in by myself. I have a little bar back there that has too many fridges and a bar cabinet. Which um, I've been thankful for couch. for on multiple Sundays watching football. So, Rob, please don't get rid of them. Continue. So, could I live without those things and put the beer and the uh, mixer sodas and put the extra couch somewhere else? Yes, but it's nice to have. Right. It gets used occasionally. And it would look kind of weird if you have a if space with nothing. space, right. yeah. Right. Yeah. Right. So yeah. really, we're kind of slaves to the to how people, rent uh, landlords, try to build places, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, but also, all three of us do live in places where it is, you know, a pretty low cost of living, right? Like, I definitely know, I've got a friend who just moved to Boston. He's living in, like, a 700-square-foot apartment. No, like, yeah. it is tiny, and... He doesn't have the space at all for anything but the bare minimum. Right. Um, I have a really close friend uh, who you may know this person who's moving out to Seattle, mm-hmm. and uh, she <laughs> she has uh, she's living in basically a box, two hundred and thirty square feet for fifteen hundred a month, yeah. and that's and which is no surprise. No, nope. really, it's when you think of Seattle, and it's the I think it's the most expensive Seattle place is. to live in the United States. Yes. So you're right, like. In that case, it's like, hey, I have no, I have no problem being a minimalist because a, I don't have any money to buy furniture, and b, yeah. I have no room to put that furniture. So I think that's something that it kind of stinks that yeah, like if you buy the house that you want and it has an extra entertainment space in the basement, yeah, you you don't want to just leave it barren and blank. Mm-hmm. So that's the yeah. one thing that that sucks is that it's not really an easy question to answer to really in, look in retrospect or in, be introspective sorry introspective and really try and see like what you could get rid of luckily yeah. i'm trying to look for like a different place so really i'm being kind of selfish in that i don't want more stuff to move so i kind of mm-hmm. want to get rid of some stuff yeah well and again from the millennial perspective right like that's kind of a thing that everyone is well aware of with millennials is there's a lot of moving going on, right? Oh, yeah. Um, so, I mean, even in school, I was always told the way people move up, right, is you jump from job to job. And right. that involves moving. So when I don't want to be packing up an entire, like, semi, right, to move my home. True. And not to balloon this whole conversation, but kind of uh, college debt is a big thing, too, right? And that kind of... Oh, yeah. that prevents a lot of people from having money to buy a house. Mm-hmm. So you are more than likely going to live in a smaller apartment or smaller space. Yep. So you have less things that you can put in that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So not right, to... There really are a ton of aspects that all influence this. But like oh, everything. Sure. Um, it's a function of many things. Yes. Well, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, it's financial situations, locations, um, lifestyle choices, like all sorts of things like that. So yeah, just a one to break the ice just to get you guys thinking. Second question, I don't, so I haven't physically counted this, but I, I did watch a couple episodes on Netflix of Marie Kondo. I think it's Tidying Up is what it's called. <laughs> yep. Okay, by the way that you're smiling, Allison. <laughs> for people listening who can't see Allison smile right now, apparently this is a layup question for her. So 
Um, oh, no, no. You see, I, I watched two episodes today as a uh, research for this because previously I had heard, oh, it's a great show. Everyone loves it. You should watch it. So, I don't know, a couple weeks ago I had sat down to watch it and I realized about 10 minutes into the episode, I was like, I don't even clean my own place. Why am I watching other people clean their homes? <laughs> Lysol? What is that? <laughs> so the, the question that I have is, do you have less than 50 articles of clothing? No. No. That's an easy answer. No one does. So, so I have 50 pairs of socks alone. <laughs> you have 50 pairs of socks. That is interesting. Okay. How many of them are Harry Potter themed? Don't answer that. That would take too long. At least 40. <laughs> okay. Rhetorical question. I ask that because something I talk about in the minimalism episode that I did is the, can you go three months with just 33 items of clothing. And that's like a challenge that was big a few years back that is in a documentary actually also on Netflix. Don't worry, people listening. Netflix does not give me any money for these shout-outs. So <laughs> it was a documentary. I believe the main thing, it was called Minimalism. And it was on Netflix. And uh, they had a challenge that was, three. can you go three months and have only 33 items. So that includes watches, that mm-hmm. any accessory, item. So oh, can wow. you go with shirts, pants, shoes, belt, watch? Could you go three months with 33 items? And I don't know that I could do that. Depends on how often you access the laundry. That is also true. <laughs> that is also true. Yeah. Well, and again, like with everything, it matters on a lot of things. Or it depends on a lot of things, but... For example, right with work, I wear jeans and any shirt to work every single day. So, like, that's relatively easy. But, like, depending on your activities and things, like, I don't know, if you go places where you need to dress up, that would not work. And those those are, like, a Venn diagram of those two different, like, sets of clothes is completely separate. <laughs> and, but if you're one who, like, I personally like going to breweries a lot and, right, Basically, any of my work outfits, I can just casually wear to a brewery, and that's totally cool. What do you think, Rob? Could you do it? I actually did the math on it. I think I can. Really? Oh, I did. Oh, he did the math. I did the math did on I say it. he was I an engineer? Out. He is the chemical engineer. <laughs> I think I could do it. All right. See, we had four pants, so okay. one khaki, two jeans, and a sweatpant. Okay. Three polos. Rotate through. This is why the question was, because I can't make it through a whole week. I can do like two or three day segments, and then I need to do laundry again. (laughs) Okay. But. I think Rob needed a reason to get his stats calculator out. I was saying, yeah. (laughs) If you give me two or three days and I do laundry, I don't mind re-wearing the same stuff. So, yes. Okay. But if you're asking me to wear something new and things like that, if I only get to wear one thing a week, no. Yeah. No. (laughs) No. Right. It'd be very, it's really, a, it's very subjective, really, of a question of, like, would you want to do that? It's like, I could be the most boring person in the world, like, mm-hmm. alright, all the watches, lock them in a drawer, no watches, <laughs> guess I'm looking at my phone, just kidding, that's an item, that's going in a, a drawer, so... But at the same time, like, I definitely have a few dresses that I only wear to weddings. I have a few pairs of pants that I only wear with a specific shirt, or a specific jacket, or like, something like that, right? Well, like, if you were doing 33 items for three months, it would force you to probably make some new oh, yeah. combinations for outfits <laughs> that, depending on what you pick, might not be a good thing. But, yep. hey, who cares? Who says lime green can't go with pink, right? <laughs> so, that is something that I, I like asking people, is 
could you do it, right? It's a very subjective question to ask, but I, I think if I, I mean, I'm already pretty boring, just, uh, just ask my significant other, <laughs> but, uh, I think, I think it depends on how boring you want to be, but could you do it? Yeah. And I've yeah. seen people who get pretty, uh, for lack of a better term, thrifty about it of they're choosing certain things and they do do that. Mm-hmm. But, um, and just in my last episode I did, I, I, uh, I talked about zero waste and how it's a spectrum of yep. how, how much you want to not buy things that are packaged in plastic. People will go pretty extreme with that. In apropos to that is this discussion on how extreme do you want to go? I, I think I would get so burnt out by trying to, to do it that it would mm-hmm. be, it would hurt the long term goal of being a minimalist is like, okay, I think I've maybe have overshot. 33 items? I don't know if I can do that. 34 items, though. I think I might... You throw in a watch, I think I could do it. I think I could do the 34 <laughs> items for three months. But that wouldn't be as catchy of a thing. The three for 33. Three for 34, that just sounds like Burger King in 10 years, right? Like <laughs> You get uh, you get three things for $34 because of inflation. You know. Anyways, uh, moving on. So, another question. Why do you think people are so into minimalism nowadays? Well, I think it's basically the trendy version of frugal, right? Like... A lot of people our age, we've got student loans. We've got two years in our jobs. We're not getting paid a whole lot. So, I don't know, being minimalist is a very simple and yet stylish way to, I don't know, make ends meet, right? It's like the new, I mean, okay. So, I laugh just because, so, I'm a very cheap person, but I don't like when other people call me cheap. So I say I'm frugal. So I think maybe, so the word frugal has maybe worn out its welcome. And so now we call ourselves minimalists. I think that's what I'm picking up from you. And you know what? I think you may be onto something. There. Sorry to interrupt. I know Rob was just about to spit out some, some really good uh, discussion for us. So go ahead, Rob. I said, my thought on it is a lot of it is, especially younger generation, is people are slowing things down, right? So look at it, a lot of people would buy houses, would buy things and stuff like that because they've had kids earlier, where our generation delays having families, delays getting married, delays a lot of that early on, so it's easier. I mean, all three of us are living by ourselves. Um, Like, if you look at a previous generation, you have a bunch of 20 to 27-year-olds or something like that. There's generally not, it's harder to find three people in a group that are not married or something like that. That's a good point. So I think that's another part of it is people are putting off a lot of those things that you need land and you need a house and you need material things for um, like that. And so it's easier to be a minimalist when you're young. That's a good point. Mm-hmm. Well, and so it was mentioned in the article that we read before this. Charles, I don't remember the name of it. The, oh, uh, the, the New York Times article? Yes. So, yeah, it, so, uh, because Allison loves jumping ahead in conversations, uh, let me, uh, <laughs> let me read the article title for you, uh, about three minutes faster than expected, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, so the, <laughs> so the title from the New York Times, Aging Parents with Lots of Stuff and Children Who Don't Want. So go so, ahead, Allison. Well, in that article, one thing that it mentioned too was there is a very much a generational shift going on, right? Of like lifestyle and like the culture of the generation. Oh, for sure. Where, um, just like you're saying, it's people used to get married a lot younger. We, we don't really get married as young anymore, um, or settle down and all that stuff. So it used to be a thing where getting that fine china set was like, 
a big thing when you got married, right? It was a symbol of status. Yeah. And, and I think that's what t- is touched on in the article as well. Yes, it is. Yep. Within the previous generations, it was yeah. how much stuff and how nice yeah, it was, it's right? A, it's a sign of a stable, like, middle-class home, right? Um, and, like, that, I don't know, that's just not really a, a thing anymore for our generation. I, I guess I don't really know what would even classify you as, like, you know, the same kind of marker, right? Where it marks you as like a stable middle class or anything anymore. I don't know if that even matters anymore. Right. I think it does. I think because, I mean, you can go back to this being the student loans or just our generation. But like after college, even people who get good jobs will move home. Mm-hmm. Right. If you look right. at a previous generation, yep. it was slightly like hard to admit that you were moving home, back home with right. your parents. We're now... People don't disrespect it. It's very understood why you're doing it. It's actually very somewhat. It's a lot more respected now and understood right. than it was. Yep. Yeah. And so that way you own nothing. Well, respected at least among uh, people. Uh, at least among you. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I could tell you people older than us are like, "What the hell? Why are you still in my basement? Yeah. Or why? Are, why is that kid still living in his parents' basement? He should go off and." Like it's like hashtag failure to launch type of thing, but really it's because a lot of people are in student debt up to their eyeballs. So it's like, yeah. mom, dad, please help. <laughs> financial they, they still have good jobs and stuff like that, but in that in that aspect, you own nothing. You own the same thing you did in high school. Essentially, same amount of stuff you did in high correct. school. So I yeah. think that's another aspect of it. Instead of coming out and getting all those things immediately, the fine china, the the two couches, stuff like that, you just go home. You don't own your stuff and then you kind of slowly build it up too. So it's right. Not- it's, it's, it's like, it's, um, when you're, so kind of speaking from work terms, if you're looking at a project to invest in, right, you have your first couple of years where the bars are way below. And so when, if you're talking about college, that's four bars, four years of where you have negative things and the negative bars have only grown in magnitude on, over time. <laughs> right. And so the payback period, especially now with, <laughs> if, with wages pretty much saying this, not, they're not growing as quick as they should. It's harder to decrease your payback period now, mm. at, at least from my perspective. I could be very wrong in that, but at least that's how I see it. And that's also what's contributing to this, where if you're in debt up to your eyeballs and your parents are willing to help you, I don't know why you wouldn't pursue that option. Mm-hmm. So for people who are you know, about to retire or that's not how they went through life, yeah. I get how I can be in their shoes. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. And understand why they're thinking that way, but I can also say, oh, why don't you come in other people's shoes for a second? I don't think any parent who actually loves their child would want them to go into poverty. I mean, unless they were really bad as a young child. Mom, don't, uh, <laughs> don't push me into poverty. I do love you. Thank you. Uh, so. It's no secret I was not the best child uh, from uh, <laughs> two and a half to about 24, but <laughs> just kidding. That's kind cool, of. Uh, but I can, so coming, pulling it back in a little bit, but uh, <laughs> I can understand why older generations think that way about younger generations. But I think if you really took a, took a second mm-hmm. to maybe realize the amount of debt that people have to incur now, you'd understand maybe why people are so cheap yeah. and have to be into minimalism, have to be into mm-hmm. living with their parents for a couple of years before they go off and get their apartment or yeah. whatever. Yeah. Try to start attaining some material things. Well, and kind of on that note, and this is definitely diving into a whole discussion on like millennial, 
I don't know, like status and social interactions and all that stuff. But have you seen the meme that's gone around all over the place? What um, do you mean? <laughs> I love that game. <laughs> um, but the there's a picture of like definitely some like baby boomers kind of generation whispering to each other going, did you hear so-and-so went to therapy last week? And then it shows a bunch, like a social outing, like, Drinks in hand and everything, and it's a bunch of millennials going, guess what my therapist told me last week? Oh, my therapist too. <laughs> and it's like... All too age, true, kind of, though. There's, there's a very different, like, don't get me wrong, there is definitely still ways that you show your social status, and a big part of that is social media now, but it's very much less about the objects you have in your home and more about the image that you give off every single day. Yeah, on your account, on your Instagram, all, all this stuff. So, that's, I mean, a, that's, that's a very good point. Now it's it's less material, physical things. Mm-hmm. It's more about using electrons. Yeah. To, essentially, right? Using electrons yeah. to Where fuel. Where post you were right? last weekend. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> if you didn't post it, it didn't happen. Yeah. And you're, you're not in the middle class unless you post at least uh, 100 pictures a year on <laughs> Instagram. Yeah. Which is, I, I'm being very hyperbolic about that, but per usual but it's actually kind of true yes. that people and and this has been reported on people our age look to maybe not everybody but some definitely look outward and and it's the image that you project on instagram and facebook and it's that determines how your status what you mm-hmm. said allison yeah but it's it's very that's a, it's very good that you bring that up because mm-hmm. i think that's a very good point and I don't know. It's it's just a very weird time, right, where there's a disagreement between just how much we value the things that our parents owned, right, whereas it's extremely important to our parents. They want to pass it down. But I'm like, look, I've got a full home already. What right. do I do with it? And I think that's a really good segue, so thank you for doing that, even though you already uh, brought up the article, you know, five <laughs> minutes before. But that's okay. I, I'm not holding that against you at all. No grudges here. However, the article, so just saying it again for everybody listening who forgot, aging parents with lots of stuff and children who don't want it. That was uh, reported by Tom, I want to say Verde, V-E-R-D-E. So that was in the New York Times. And and what it boils down to was looking at different scenario, different individual scenarios where you were in a couple of categories, two, I think two to three, where you... Kind of what Allison just said, you maybe would actually want the stuff, Mm -hmm. but you don't have room for it. So that being case number one. Case number two is that you really just don't want that. Case number three is that you don't want the stuff, but you also still kind of want to be welcome at Thanksgiving dinner. And you have to put it in storage just to placate your Parents, essentially, or grandparents, where it's like, why won't you take my stuff? (laughs) All right, I'll take your stuff. All right, I'll take your stuff. All right, honey, we need to put this in a storage bin right now. Throw it in the weight back so no one knows. Yeah, right, right. Put it out in the woodshed. Mm -hmm. And and exactly what you said, Allison, is that I've been in the scenario too where my grandparents passed away and my dad and uncle are very much on the whole, hey, we've taken all the stuff that we can take in. And so, hey, would you like some Corel wear? So, like, <laughs> dishes and plates for people who are not 
well versed yeah. on this stuff. However, <laughs> it looks like it's out of the 60s or 70s. And it's like, would you like this stuff? And I'm like, well, my stuff is not so great. So sure. But <laughs> otherwise, I don't know that I would take it. And there's some other stuff where it's like, I don't want an entertainment center that was bought in like 1982 to put a random yeah. Cube TV. Correct. For Cube, like, <laughs> yeah, there's a plasma screen now. And it, no, it doesn't fit in that little window. Like, no, I can't. I'd have to saw that all up. Like, it, I don't think Pap Pap would want me to do that. I think he'd turn over in his grave. Not to air out any dirty laundry, <laughs> but, uh, but you get the point. So for you guys, have you been in that scenario as well? Um, I have a little bit, not, not too much. Um, really what I was, they asked me, did you want, and I have way too much of this is a bunch of old football stuff. So it's old football jerseys, uh, awards, plaques, whatever you want to call it. And now it just sits in a bin. And it's like, yeah, eh, it was already kind of weird when we hung it all up and I was living with you and now it sits in my home in a tub. But it's also like we grew up and I don't know about you guys, but where my parents' house were growing up, we had the basement. There was like the back closet in the basement that just had all of the crap. Yes. yes. Right. And yep. it just had you concentrated. Yes. You had all of it. Right. And yep. it was. Stuff from their childhood and stuff like that. And I think a lot of us see that and see, uh, they never have used that. That just sits here and collect dust. Why would I want that? Like, that's a lot of it for me. Like, yeah, I have this stuff and maybe, maybe one day, right? One day, like 20 years down the road, I'll be sitting there with my big old beer belly, set, setting a beer on my belly and leaving it and be like, God, you know what? I was athletic one day. Let, let's go remind myself that at one point in my life I could do things. Okay, first thing, I'd love to be around when that happens. Second, good point. But, it, right, so it's like maybe one day in 20 years all this stuff pays off. And, and at that point, is it, so just to throw a random question out there, is it better at that point to just have a picture of it maybe than the physical item yeah. itself? I mean, Google Photos has unlimited... <laughs> photo storage right yeah so well, and that's like i've got 25 different things that i'm like thinking of right now but okay well okay, so, let's see how good this goes <laughs> so first of all stuff exactly like that is the reason why a lot of um like everyone's seen the the diy videos right of making a t-shirt quilt using all of your college t-shirts because there's no reason to have them still, but you right. still want to quilt. Oh, so like there's a whole lot of DIY stuff going on. And that even that extends from everything from little mementos to furniture, right? Like that is a big reason that furniture mm -hmm. people will take the older stuff and then paint it to look new or like take the top off and put a new marble top on or something instead. Um, because it'll make it more modern while still keeping that memory or the, like the family heirloom or whatever it is. And I've seen a lot of people do that, but. I think uh, another piece of that, so I'm just going to interrupt you yeah. for one second. I apologize. Um, is that people feel like they don't make things like that anymore. Yes. Right. So people feel like if you made something before, you made it to last. You made it with good wood. It was right. meant to last. And if I quality. just change one thing. It, then it's wide the way I want it to look, but I know it's, but it's still, still quality. Right. Yeah. Yep. Where now but everything it, is made to get things out the door and it's quick mm -hmm. and right. people feel like it's, it's cheap. all particle board. Yeah. Right. And exactly. That's exactly what the article touches on too. It mm -hmm. says that yep. our generation 
it buys the Ikea and the Target furniture. Right. I was just going to say and, the same thing. Yep. Mm-hmm. Ikea. But right. honestly, it's because, and guess what? I just bought a TV stand off of Wayfair a couple weeks ago. Um, you inhumane person. I know. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I did look for good quality, but guess what? It's particle board. And <laughs> it's cheap. It's hard to justify paying like three hundred yeah. more dollars for something mm-hmm. when it's oh, yeah. like okay, this it looks is the same. It looks it looks fine it's because yes, they use particle boards. Go ahead, what? It was one hundred and forty dollars. I can afford that. Getting a really nice oak one or something like that, that would be at least four hundred. Well, and it's so. still hard to. I mean, for me, just speaking, mm-hmm. it's hard to justify spending a lot of money when I'm still renting a place. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep. If And I've seen some of my stuff go through, and not to throw any boovers under the bus, but okay, when it's not your stuff, you don't really care about it as much, and if you don't wrap it with stuff, it gets all scraped up. So why would I try to buy anything really nice when I'm, I'm going to be potentially moving? Like, yep. I'm not going to yep. rent forever, I hope. So yep. it's hard yep. to justify that extra expense for something to last when really... Based on my core principles, I want something that way where I mm-hmm. I see something I like and I yeah. want it to last for a long time. I don't want to just buy it with the intent of just keeping it for a year and then, eh, yeah, throw it away, whatever. Who cares? Well, I think yep. that goes back to your cheapness too, right? It's like, hey, hey I can pay the I'm 20 bucks. cheap. I'm a minimalist, <laughs> Rob. Did you just get nothing from this conversation? I'm sorry. Continue. But it's like, hey, I can spend an extra $20 and get the nicer thing of this. Or I can buy it year on year on year and look at that and be like, 10 years down the road, I'll have spent five times what I should have. Right. Yep. So I think a and certain that, aspect is actually financial-wise of buying the nicer stuff, too. It and can that's, be. That's very, that is very true, except for when that extra $20 literally will break the bank this week, you know, yes. or whatever yes. it is. Yes, you're right. You're so right. There are yes. times when you're forced to just choose the cheaper option. Yep. But that being said, so... For example, um, my brother has just bought a house, and it's his first house. Um, He's lived there for a couple months now, but it was still definitely very bare bones. Um, He had, you know, his basic college furniture from who knows how many generations it's been passed down. (laughs) And then he did actually have a few different pieces, like I think his, um, his end tables, the kitchen table and the guest bed and maybe a dresser or two. Those were all inherited from our grandparents. Other than that, though, he didn't really have, you know, it definitely was not yet a home. So, for example, Chris, my brother, gave us, gave me and my sister 500 bucks and said, make my home a home. And just out of that, we were able to go to, uh, we went to Goodwill and then a couple different, like, secondhand stores that sell specifically furniture uh, and you can find a lot of good stuff that is old, that needs minor touch-ups. All it needs is a coat of paint or change out the legs or something like that. Very simple stuff. And you can make it very modern and cool. And it, that is honestly more, it's it's a better financial decision. And like, I don't know how to look at it, like environmentally or like. Mm-hmm. Yeah, correct. Yep. From oh, a, yeah. Susta- yeah. a sustainability no, perspective. Think, yeah, that's yeah. A, another that's big that's aspect of this. Yeah, is a sustainability. You're not throwing this old stuff away. You are still reusing it. Right. Focusing on the the couple of the R's there, right? Reduce and reuse. Mm -hmm. Yes. So, like, I think it is a conscious choice by, like, our generation, you know, to... that We are trying to make smart decisions, right? Um, I'd like to think so. 
Yep. I don't like to, I don't try to make dumb decisions, but. <laughs> I, I don't know about that sometimes. <laughs> All right. Well, apparently this is an inquisition. Now. I, thought, I thought it was a podcast, but hey, whatever. <laughs> Continue. I, I, I see that happening a lot in our generation, you know? And I think to that, I think there's a difference between buying something from a previous generation at a secondhand store, what you can do that little minor touch or change guilt free. Right, because your family didn't own it. Yeah, right. versus inheriting yeah. your grandma or your mom and have her showing up being like, Oh, I really like the table the way it was. Did did you have to change it? No, yeah. I think that's a difference, right? There's so there there it's there's certainly that's still reduce and reuse, but it's a guilt free way of doing it. Right. Yeah. Versus having to look them in the face and be like, I thought it was, I thought it needed a little updating. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the political answer. Yes. <laughs> you needed a slight update. Why'd you sand it down? Repaint it. It's kind of like, have you seen, um, I think it's 27 dresses, right? Where the sister inherits the mom's wedding dress. I believe that's correct. Mm-hmm. I have not but watched then that movie. changes absolutely every detail about it and basically just uses like the bare fabric and right. makes it really new dress or whatever. It's kind of like that. Right. Good point. Um, I mean, do you all have experience though with, I don't know, family or someone being upset that you wouldn't take their stuff? Cause I've never experienced that personally. Well, I'll let Rob take first crack at this. If you have any, I, said, I don't think like directly upset with me, but you can tell like their stuff. It's more just like, once again, they want the space. Right. And they're like, this might be yours. It might be cool for you to have. Do you want it? Not really. Shoot, because I don't really either, and I was kind of hoping to get rid of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's kind of like, it was my guilt-free way, right. once again, a guilt-free way, guilt-free way of just passing it on and just being right. like, yeah, here you go. Right. It's not my yeah. responsibility to hold on to this and take care of it anymore, but it's still within. That's really the only way. So it's not direct, like, frustration. It's kind of that that. Afterwards, being like, you can tell they're like, shoot, I really was hoping you were going to yeah, take that. Yeah, it's like, God. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I've, I've very much been in that situation from, indirectly, like I said, from my my dad wanting to get rid, just get rid of some stuff. And mm-hmm. obviously, if, he, if I was in his shoes, it's more fulfilling for me if my children can use something, right, mm-hmm. that maybe my dad had. Mm-hmm. So I, I understand that, but I... I've also been in the situation where I was asked by, by my grandfather before he passed away, where he was like, well, would you, do you want the house? And I'm like, huh, well, that, I wasn't expecting that question today, Abbott, but, um, let me, I, I don't know, maybe let me think about that. I'm still in high school. No, I'm just joking. That was sophomore year of college, which is still practic- practically high school from a mentality standpoint. Yeah. Anyways, but it was... Very much of like, I, I don't know. Like, I barely have 10 bucks in my pocket from week to week, and that's for beer, Pap Pap. I don't, I don't know if I can buy a hat. Like, that's, I, I don't want to pay property taxes. That cuts into party time. I'm just kidding, kind of. But, but yeah, I mean, that's a good question, Allison. Like, I don't, I don't know if people have been offended that you wouldn't take stuff. No, no, I've never been in that situation. I'm, I'm sure I can see that happening. Sure, right? Mm-hmm. If if uh, your grandparents really cherish something, yeah. or if your yeah. parents cherish something about their parents, your grandparents, I can mm-hmm. see that maybe happening. 
I've been lucky enough that that hasn't been really foisted upon me. And that, and that's one of the questions I wanted to ask you guys as a follow-up is, has anything ever been kind of forced on you where you kind of really felt pressured to, to take a certain item that your parents really cherished and, and weren't, and weren't trying to just get rid of, right? Mm-hmm. They, they really mm-hmm. valued it and wanted you to, to take it. I don't think so. Uh, thankfully my, um, I have both my grandparents, and my dad's side still around, but they have a bunch of like dolls and collectibles and stuff like that. And they haven't forced it upon us yet because they're still around and they still <laughs> yeah. own it. But they definitely looked at me and my sister and said, Oh, I can't wait for you to have that. And it's like, ah, yeah, I'm not sure I'm going to have that. <laughs> yeah. So See, that right there, the weird collectibles, like you've seen every different thing from like spoons, dolls, Empty, like, soda glasses or whatever. Like, everyone has that weird collectible at their grandparents. Hey, I collect empty soda glasses. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Oh, don't get me wrong. I've got my empty bourbon bottles up there, too. <laughs> That's different. That's essential for life. Bourbon is essential for life. That is just a decoration, all right? Pretty <laughs> decoration but nowadays. Those are the kind of thing where, like, they hold absolutely no sentimental value other than I remember seeing that on grandma's mantle, you know, <laughs> and that's where you kind of pick out maybe one in particular to keep and the rest need to go find a new home for someone who actually cares. About that. Oh my gosh. I agree. My grandmother, God love her. She was very into salt shakers, salt and pepper shakers that she had from every, almost every state in the United States and uh-huh. just sitting in a, just in a, uh, a very old display kind of case looking thing mm-hmm. and they never got used <laughs> and from my perspective i just thought what is the point of yep. having yep. 50 almost 50 <laughs> salt shakers yeah but also that meant something to them because they went to those states you are sitting here just looking at 100 shakers that's correct <laughs> that's true that's it true. Is. it's what you collect yeah. I like collecting beer glasses or glasses for a bar from different spots. And I think yep. my mantle is already full and I have to put them in a cabinet. And I love it. <laughs> right. And it's fun. It's what I like to collect. Right. And like I see a use for them, right? I see that like yep. I can pour drinks in them and stuff like that. Right. But certainly I'm sure one day I don't know what I'm going to do with all those things. Yeah. They're going to look back from 20 years ago and be like, you're going to look yeah. at your children and you're going to be like, hey, I can't wait for you to have this I, one day. Right? Yeah. There was one, so you're just going to look back and be like, wow, I drink weeks, a lot. Like, <laughs> A month ago that says, Rob, best man. 50 years from now, I'll be like, yeah, you're right, best I was man the best at a wedding about 40 or 50 years ago. I don't really know what to do with that glass anymore. It's cool at the time. <laughs> That's going to uh, be the fifth time you told your grandchildren that, Rob. You're like, you remember when I was the best man? <laughs> I came with that glass right there. People were crying. They were in tears. They were laughing. It was beautiful. <laughs> but yeah, I totally understand, I right? It's raining it back in. Yes, you weren't in their shoes. And mm-hmm. by the way, you Google Photos wasn't around no, back then, no. right? Mm-hmm. So you kind of wanted to collect physical, th- physical things because nowadays I think people collect, you know, and people don't probably really think of this as a collection, but really the photos of things. Yep. Right? Yes. That's mm-hmm. what you look back on now. Right. Where, yeah, yeah, she would look back on those. Right, you need that physical was things. the tree. Right. Sure. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right, we only have so much yeah. memory space in our brains. You kind of need physical things sometimes to maybe jog a memory mm-hmm. about something else. So yep. I totally understand that. That's the beauty of secondhand stores. Like 
someone who actually cares and wants those things for the thing that it is yep. are able to get it. Mm-hmm. You know, this is true, and kind of like what Rob just it, said, guilt free. Yep. Yes. Because you can get it, and if you don't like exactly the way it looks, you can make alterations to it Too without right. having to worry about offending anyone, really. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, actually, a so the last question, or the, really the last topic I wanted to kind of come full circle in a way, is population, it's no surprise, that it's shifting from rural areas, rural areas, from from rural areas to urban areas. And so I looked up the statistics, 68% of the world's population is projected to live in urban areas by 2050. That was reported by the UN. Mm -hmm. So my question to you both is, do you think that the problem of having too much stuff will get worse by having more people in a smaller amount of area, Mm -hmm. if you're thinking about a city, not expanding outward, but just staying the same and a lot of people moving into that space, will it get worse? I I definitely think it'll be a problem. I think that, yeah, the more, I mean, right, we already, where are you going to put it? Eventually, right, I mean, as you, I think we've all mentioned, the secondhand stores, the wanting to go back and see things that are older and buy things that are older is certainly a trend right now and things like that. Um, it certainly happens and people look for those things and they like doing the DIY things as Allison mentioned. Um, but how long does that last before do you think the attitude is, God, that looks old. And even if you fix it up, that's still old. And then it's like, okay, now we have all of these old things that people used to find uses for that we have nothing to do with anymore. No one wants them at all. And we're continuing to produce new things. That thing, production of these new things is not going to stop. Right. Companies have to stay in business. And right back to sustainability. And Mm -hmm. honestly, like it's, it's very much a part of the conversation right now, but I don't think it's, it's definitely not reached, you know, it's apex yet, but the concept of environmental um, issues and sustainability and everything that, that is going to be more of an issue in future years, and I think stuff like this, the overproduction of things in general, yeah, like everything from plastic bottles to furniture and stuff that is meant to be disposed of after a couple years, like... I don't know if you all saw the... I think it's a Pixar movie. I don't think it's... Well, I think... I don't know if Disney owns Pixar now. However, Mm -hmm. it was WALL-E. Yep. If you saw that movie. Yeah. And how... Right, it was a very dystopian view of the Earth as just a <laughs> massive dump yeah. of yep. of our trash. Right, that landfills are literally that covers the Earth. Yeah, and if you kind of follow our trajectory, we're going more towards that than mm-hmm. away from that. So that kind of plays into what you're just saying, Allison. Of we're producing a lot of stuff, and until your next door neighbor is a landfill. I don't think a lot of people will mm. care about this. No. Yeah. And, and and that's very unfortunate because in, in the last episode, I talked about recycling and how a lot of, and, and trash in general, and, and maybe looking at where it goes and kind of expanding your black box, right? The concept of a black box and it's your whole process can fit into this thing. Mm. And how complicated you want your test question to be depends on how big you have to draw your boundary around that system, right? So 
looking at trash and recycling in general, I, I've really started to look outside of that box on where this stuff is actually going. And I think if a lot more people probably thought that way about, oh, maybe, you know, I can't see where my recycling is going, where my discarded furniture is going. Mm -hmm. But if they thought about maybe where it is and maybe wanted to take a glimpse, maybe some people might be more minimalist as well, Mm -hmm. is my thought on that. Yep. The problem is, is that not everybody wants to take a trip to your local dump. Well, so even, so even going to your local dump, like, I don't know about you guys, but cleaning out my college house, right? Even going to your local dump, you take it to the edge, you take it to a wall and you just throw it over the wall. Right. And then it disappears. Correct. So you see three dumpsters and you say, yeah, we filled the dumpsters for the day. I don't know what happened to them. Right. I know the landfill is this big and they got somewhere in there. I went to a dumpster and it became not my problem. Yeah. And I don't, I never have to see it again. Yeah. Right. So yeah. So even if you go to a local dump and you want to say, I'm getting rid of all this stuff, I still, I still don't know if it really hits home. And. I do think the generational shift is going towards more environmentalism and sustainability kind of stuff, mm-hmm. but it like it's still got a long ways to go. Even things like um so we have a uh blender and it wasn't working right. It turns out the the little plastic bushing at the bottom had gotten really old. It is a $20 blender. To be quite honest, I could have tossed it out, but we did make a conscious effort to order the $5 part. It takes an extra 30 minutes of my time to take the thing apart and put that new bushing in. But also, like, it's a little bit of time for less money and the fact that I'm not throwing away this big plastic piece, you know? Right. And I feel like we are trying to make that conscious decision a little more often right now. Mm-hmm. For for people our generation, that's for sure. Yes. I think about that all the time. Yes. Where yeah. I don't want to, like my Keurig, when it broke, I made every effort to try and look at how to fix it, and I literally could not find a way to fix it. Mm-hmm. And yeah. unfortunately, Keurig is not set up that way. They're set up to, yeah. they sell them, and they're like, cool, yeah, we don't it's, care if you throw them away. It's a very linear yes. approach to it. It's not what circular at all. Called? There's a term for that. It's, um... Uh, shoot, there's a term for that I can't remember, but it's basically like things are designed to fail and you are, they are designed in a way to make you have to buy a new one and not just fix the one you've got. And I don't know the term for it either, unfortunately. However, yeah, yeah, correct. I mean, that's what businesses use. Exactly. A lot of companies use them and I understand why they use them because if you didn't Mm -hmm. use that model, prices would get... Yeah. You'd Probably have higher. Customer. Yeah. Definitely mm-hmm. higher. It would be higher. They would employ less people, <laughs> and that would be a general bad thing because then you'd have a lot more people. I mean, it snowballs very quickly. Mm-hmm. I mean, yeah. Yeah. just say your iPhone lasts twice as long as it does. I mean, everyone knows you have to get an even iPhone, smartphone, Android, whatever you want to talk about it. It's five to six years. Right. And yeah. it's done. That's just mm-hmm. kind of understood in the world today. Right. Where if they made those to last and you talked about that and say you needed one every 10 to 15 years. I mean, it's, it's, it's very different to look at the development. I'm sure that happens with them too, right? You're not always looking for, Oh, the next new model came out and it's got this whole new thing. Someone's like, "Eh, yeah, we could do that, but why don't we save it for a few years? Right. The development's slower. Everything kind of slows down. Right. But it's also, yeah, from a waste standpoint as well. Yep. And it kind of comes back to again, 
Go ahead. What were you saying? Side note, I looked it up. It's called Planned Obsolescence. Planned, oh, yes, yes, yes. Where everyone knows the battery in an iPhone dies off after two or three years. Or whatever it is. This bushing in that Mm -hmm. thing. um, Yeah, it's designed. We know it's going to fail by this. And yep. that's why we have a part available that's $5. Yes. Yeah. Or you can buy our brand new unit. <laughs> $20. And Amazon will ship it right to your door. Right. And they conveniently price things in a way that makes you consciously consciously think about. Is yep. it worth well, an hour of my time? Right. I have to pay how much for this one little part or... I could buy a brand new thing for 20 bucks. Yep, and it takes me 45 seconds to set the old one in the trash can and open the box of the new one. <laughs> like, Correct. Yes. Correct. Yeah. Right, that's the real problem of it, is that you? we also have this generational gap between mm-hmm. the people leading these companies and the consumers, too, where, yes, we think differently, being millennials, younger than the Gen Xers, probably, that are leading these companies, that are only focused on profit and don't really care about, because there's three P's and there's three R's, right? There's three R's of reduce, reuse, recycle, mm-hmm. and there's the three P's of profit, people, and planet. And the people leading these companies are thinking about profit, really, and not really thinking about planet. Mm-hmm. I would argue that the the people going for the profit aspect, so any business, I would argue that that is not at all related to generation, but only related to the money. I agree. I think that's, I, I think even people as millennials that you will see get into these positions of executives and things like that. I think You're kind of forced yeah. into that way yeah. of thinking. That's very yeah. right. That's a good point. That might not because, change. Right. Because that is how it works. Right. And that's a good point. Sorry, but if you don't have those profit margins, you can't report those growths. Nope. Especially working for a company like all of us do. If you can't, if you put forward a bad uh, earnings report, it doesn't matter how sustainable right. or right. how moral, morally high right. value your company is. If no one's investing in your dropping. company, right, yeah. your stock drops. Right. With and, publicly traded companies, you're right. You're very much a slave to mm-hmm. you always yep. have to report positive growth and positive things or people won't invest in your company. Yep. And again, we've seen a slight shift. Like it is shifting towards some vision of sustainability, but – that is not yet the top priority. The top priority is still the earnings. No, yeah. it's still, it's not, I agree, there has been a shift, yes. that is true. Yes. But it is more of a marginal shift of how can we incorporate some recycled material just using, actually Google as an example, how can we start to incorporate some percentage of recycled material into our new phones mm-hmm. by yeah. 2025? And that's only, I, I hope they're sincere and that this is a first step to something more sustainable along the future. The problem is, is that unless you source everything from a sustainable source and make an object truly mm-hmm. recyclable, recyclable so that I could take my iPhone and give it back to Apple and they can completely deconstruct it and make something new out of it, I don't, we're still going to have this problem. And I understand that that is a very hard problem mm-hmm. to tackle. I understand that. That's that's almost impossible to do. Yep. And I think the reason, so, I think the tough part about moving it past the marginal standpoint is right now it's marginal because if you admit that you're not making that shift, you will get attacked. Correct. 
right? Our, because our of the generation, consumers. Yeah, right. the consumer will come at in a negative mark in a negative way. So really, the shift is like, let's do enough so people don't get pissed off at us. Correct. Let's do enough to appease the consumers yeah. and the population so that we look like we're at least trying. And then right. after that, eh, then we're going to really, we're doing enough. But here's how we're really making money. And that hasn't changed in 20 years. Right. But we're going to really throw these couple, two or three things in small that we can go PR crazy on. Right. And make people feel okay about our company. And that's, I think, the hard part of going to marginal is shifting it past the marginal standpoint is how do you actually teach people how to make profit on these things? Right. That's a good point. And that would require a huge paradigm shift. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about business schools having to teach how they're teaching curriculum, mm-hmm. which yeah. they might have already started. I'm assuming they have shifting towards more of a sustainability theme. But mm-hmm. I think, again, that's more of a marginal shift. More so than the paradigm shift yeah. that really needs to occur. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I, I think kind of bringing it back in, though, I think we can all agree that unless people really see the problem right in front of them, yeah. I don't know if someone's going to be that mm-hmm. hard-pressed to act on it and say, oh, my gosh, you know what? I should stop going to Ikea. I should stop buying cheap furniture that looks great that I can throw away in a year because of what Rob, you said, what you, Allison said on, yes, I get to put it somewhere else. It's out of my problem. I don't see it anymore. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So until that happens, I hate to be a pessimist here, but nothing's going to, let's just yeah. be realistic. No, nothing's no, going to no, change. No, right. No. So, yep. so kind of feeding back into the whole conversation of getting things from our parents. Mm-hmm. If our parents want to mm-hmm. start, lobbying ikea to shut their doors yeah that might be a first start but i don't think i don't see my parents going to ikea and protesting them for having cheap furniture no i mean i feel like some like to summarize the whole very large conversation we've all please do it's like i feel like people have to be okay with some sentiment or sentimental value is you know can be passed on but otherwise sometimes things just need to find a better home and People are, people need to make decisions to use objects and things, you know, wisely. But sometimes that means the whole family heirloom concept doesn't really apply anymore. Right. I think it, and it maybe shifts. And that's what the article kind of talks about too, Mm -hmm. is maybe not so much about furniture and larger objects so much as a wedding ring or a wedding dress, something, something that's smaller and can be passed on. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. I think it probably will shift more to that. Because mm-hmm. I, I can say from my perspective, I, I would rather have that sort of a thing versus furniture. Versus because, the couch yeah. that we all sat on. Growing Correct. Up, right? right. It's really just a memory where if I saw yeah. a picture of it, I'd be like, oh, yeah, I saw, I sat on that couch. Yeah. Grandma read me a bedtime story and gave me mm-hmm. some hot chocolate to go to sleep. Yeah, like that's great. But... Maybe not necessarily that I need to sit I, on the yeah, couch I don't, anymore. I don't, maybe I don't need to. <laughs> yeah. However, having a nice diamond ring, I mean, <laughs> hey, who wouldn't want that? Am I right? Am I right, guys? <laughs> so I think that about sums it up from my perspective mm-hmm. on questions and wanting to try and get to the heart of this issue of getting stuff passed down from generation to generation where I think unfortunately from the millennials perspective, at least from mine is that we're 
going to basically what I just said. We're going to maybe want smaller and smaller things from an heirloom perspective. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, we don't really, based on economics, based mm-hmm. on, um, well, a lot on economics, unfortunately, and how, uh, we have a different mindset about thinking about things from probably economic perspectives mm-hmm. of having a lot of college debt, stuff like that. We're probably not going to want a whole bunch of stuff passed down to us. And I think that's only going to be the way going forward to, to yeah. our potential future children. Yep. Right. Is that we're probably going to have less stuff to pass on to them and they're probably not going to want that yeah. either. So at least that's how I think about it from my perspective. I don't know if you mm-hmm. all have a different summary on that, but that's just how I see it. Yeah, no, I agree with that. Yep. I was also say, for the record, like, looking around my house right now, the end table, dresser, chair, end table, couch, and kitchen table, all of those are inherited from my grandparents. Don't get me wrong. I love it. It was great. But also, to be honest, those will be gone someday because they don't really fit with the whole vibe that I want to go You're with. You're a little bit too edgy for some of those <laughs> things, Yeah, too Allison. edgy. Too You're modern. Too but I mean, I, I completely agree with that. I can mm-hmm. look around my place too, and the table I'm sitting at right now, mm-hmm. yes, it's from my grandparents. The yep. couch and love scene are from my mom and stepdad, mm-hmm. and it's, yeah, I, I didn't buy any of it. So <laughs> it's, sometimes it's okay to get free stuff that's like, oh, yeah. heck yeah, it looks good. Yeah. So, yeah. And you use it for while you, while you have it, right? Right. I mean, like, yeah. The longer you can use it, the longer it's not in a landfill somewhere. So, yeah. hey, there's, there's something to be said for that too. So I'll end on a note of hope to use everything as long as you can. So I think on that note, I want to end things. I want to thank Rob and Allison for being on the show. Thanks for coming back, Allison. Your certificate for being a second time guest will be in the mail perpetually. No, no, no. No, I don't want stuff. Is my minimalist. Oh, <laughs> just want the shout out answer. here. <laughs> you are playing to the crowd, Missy. <laughs> but I want to thank you both for being on the show. This was very helpful, and I think it's good to have people other than our generation probably get our take on things as well. Maybe they can put our put their selves in our shoes, just like maybe we can put mm-hmm. ours in theirs. So I want to thank you both for your time, and we'll see you guys on the next episode. Sound good? Sounds great. Thank you. All right. As always, if you have any feedback on the episode or topics for future episodes, shoot a note to splicepodcast at gmail.com or hit me up on Twitter at thatsojank. For those of you wanting to look at stuff we talked about for yourself, I'll be posting the links for the articles referenced in this episode on Facebook and Twitter. See you in the next one.